Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover podcast wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24 7 sports network and that is home field apparel what is home field apparel you guys the premium collegiate apparel brand out of indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history home field digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos mascots and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school obviously one of their most popular collections is the auburn collection now now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you, you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, if you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word. Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product. And Auburn is one of their biggest sellers, like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn Undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast, we are proud to be partnered with Prime Shrimp, a New Orleans-based shrimp company, to offer our listeners some delicious, easy-to-cook shrimp in just minutes. These guys have been peeling shrimp since the 40s, and they are excited to offer you guys restaurant-quality shrimp straight to your door in under 10 minutes without the usual mess and fuss. Take the frozen pouch out of your freezer, drop it in a pot of boiling water, and again, it's ready to serve however you want it in 10 minutes. You guys can head over to primeshrimp.com. And with promo code Auburn247, all caps, all one word, you can get $20 off your first order. Again, that's code Auburn247, all caps, all one word for $20 off your first order. If you don't love it, get your money back. Their flavors include Signature Season, French Quarter Alfredo, Garlic Herb Butter, and the Louisiana Shrimp Boil, which is personally my favorite. I'll tell you guys what I've done three or four times. Grab a loaf of French bread, bake it until it's crispy, get some lettuce, whatever other toppings you want, stuff some Louisiana Shrimp Boil, in there and get yourself a po' boy. It is absurdly good. Get you some frozen French fries, pop them in the oven while you're making it, and it's super easy, super tasty seafood meal in like 20 minutes by the time you're done with everything. Remember, guys, use code AUBURN247, all one word, all caps, $20 off your first purchase at primeshrimp.com.
Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Hope everybody's having a great week. You're probably listening to this one on Friday morning because we are recording this on Thursday evening. We all just got finished, obviously, at SEC Media Days for the, I don't know, upteenth year in a row. Auburn goes on the final day of Media Days. Um Jason and Mark, how long? This is like nine or eight or nine years in a row. What's I don't understand the tradition <laughs> of them. I'm not complaining. It's not a terrible fit. But yeah, somebody asked us about that today, and me and Mark were talking about it. It's I don't know. It's as as many years as I can remember. Mark, it really has been on the last day, don't you think? Yeah, it's been a while. I remember Auburn being the middle of the week one time, but uh, since they gone to the four days, it's generally been th- Thursday. Well, anyway, that for some reason that that works out that way. But uh, obviously, now media days is all wrapped up. You were you're probably keeping track of it over the course of the week, or you weren't, which is also perfectly um, acceptable. And you just tuned in for Auburn's time, which is uh, pretty much what we did. So um, we we're in there in Atlanta today. All the obviously all of us uh, drove back just a few hours ago, so wanted to recap what was. I thought personally, I try not to look too negatively. Some people are pretty jaded toward media days. Um, I try not to look too negatively at it. And I actually thought this was a this was a pretty good day for Auburn in terms of um, you know, the impression of their head coach, the, the way Harson came out, thought he did a great job, thought he did better than last year. Um, that's for sure. And then the stuff that the players were able to touch on, um, I thought was pretty productive. I thought overall, you know, it's it's mostly a pointless day, but you know, you, you look for what you can get. And, uh, and I thought Auburn overall did a really good job. So we'll so we'll get into it and, and recap. Auburn's time in the spotlight. Um, obviously, we're joined here, Christian Clemente, our recruiting reporter, and Jason Caldwell and Mark Murphy here as well. Um, so we'll start with Christian because this is your first rodeo, uh, quite literally. You have never experienced, had never experienced the uh, spectacle of SEC Media Days um, before this week. So uh, before we get into the stuff, the details of Auburn's time, just overall your impressions. You and I were there for about a, a day and a half, got there like midday Wednesday, talked some Florida talk to some Kentucky people, um, just your impressions of, of what is just one of the weirdest things in sports, but also also one of the most fun. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good experience um, just to kind of be there. You know, you know, like last night we talked with some of the Florida 24-7 guys, some of the Tennessee 24-7 guys. So it's kind of fun to be able to see different people that you either know from other schools or people that you might be associated with that, you know, you've talked to on Twitter, but you haven't seen in person. And then you know, talking with the players, you know, like Ventral Miller yesterday with the crazy pants and stuff like that. So this is kind of a fun experience. Don't take it too seriously. Kind of you know, be there to have fun, get some stories out of it, but don't take it too serious and you'll probably have fun. Yeah, that's what I, I think. And you and I are already talking about the plans for next year to post up all week in Nashville with our uh, our Hawaiian shirts and our and our Crocs <laughs> just because, uh, yeah, this, this was the year that kind of did it for me where I was like, you know, you should really just kind of take this thing for – for what it is and if you go in trying to have a good time you you probably will um so like i referenced jason um pretty eventful day for auburn i thought it was a productive morning session for some transparency um with our listeners it's it's pretty standard we get like a morning meeting with harson or whoever the head coach is you know obviously over time um that way we can talk about like local stuff related to the team because when he gets on the stage it's going to be more, you know, national stuff. People have the opportunity to be like, what do you think of Arkansas this year? You know, just because everyone's gathered together. Um, so that was a really good session there at the beginning. Um, Jason is the first thing that you wrote about. And so we'll get to it immediately because our first comment on Facebook today is who's going to be the quarterback <laughs> um, for Auburn. But, uh, you know, a little bit of the the game plan, the blueprint for fall camp. 
at quarterback coming together. Um, and we heard a little bit more about Zach Calzada. Um, but, you know, we're just getting more and more context on this quarterback battle until it kicks off in earnest um, at the beginning of fall camp, which we found out today is going to be August 5th. Yeah. Um, first, if you're planning on wearing Hawaiian shirts and Crocs to an SEC media days, you better be running in place all day because it's about 50 degrees in, <laughs> in the room that we get to stay in all the time. So it would be a that would be a little chilly. Um, Point. We're going for the shock factor with our with our purple. Yeah, it would work. That's for sure. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, quarterback race is something we talked about a good bit. Ryan Harson, you know, talked about it. Uh, you know, when we were able to sit down with him a good bit, but. Um, you know, it's something that will be decided throughout preseason camp. Um, you you listen to it, listen to Ryan Harson talk about it. Um, you got to feel like that, even though T.J. Finley is a guy that got the number one reps in the spring, you know, started some games last year. You, you just got to feel like it's almost that Calzada's job to lose at the moment. It's just the the feel of it anyway. Um, may not be true. Uh, it's still going to be a battle, but I think you feel like he's going to have every opportunity to win this job. I think that's why he came. He started 10 games last year at Texas A&M. You can hear it when guys talk about him. He's one of the first guys they bring up. And so I think he's made a a big impression uh, throughout the summer after kind of getting cleared to to, to cut it loose, you know, throw in the spring, but with that harness on that left shoulder. Now he's kind of cut it loose, been good. And so right now I would say the odds on favorite would be Zach Calzada, but – you got to go win a job. It's not like it's been, you know, the last two years where you had a returning guy in place and, you know, you, know, you had quarterback competitions. You always felt like somebody's got to do something really special to beat Bo Nix out. Um, this one, you feel like, you know, Zach Calzada, um, go out and, and perform. It's probably him. Um, but the door's open for one of those other guys to go take it. Uh, and that's the thing about this. I would say other than probably a half a dozen guys, on this team, not maybe a few more than that, um, maybe eight or nine guys. There are going to be a lot of competitions uh, in, in this preseason practice when you start thinking about the entire wide receiver group um, um, and, and talking about all the guys there, uh, some of those positions in the secondary, the other linebacker spot. I mean, there's going to be some open openings on this, and heck, even on the offensive line. they got so many guys back with experience. But, yeah, I would, I would say Cal's out at the moment. Um, Mark, it was, a, it was a good trio of players. Today, I thought it, you know, all three guys made a lot of sense. You've got your uh, your sixth year tight end, the record breaking guy. Um, and John Samuel Shanker has been a been a great representative of the university for for quite some time. Probably the best player on the team in Tank Bigsby. Um, and then a guy in Derek Hall, who's one of the best players on your team, third in the SEC in sacks. And another guy who's a big, you know, kind of vocal offseason leader um, for the team. Just kind of your takeaways from from those guys, you know, we've we've seen over the past few years, you know, lots of a. Uh, eclectic groups of, uh, of players that Auburn brings to media days. And it's interesting to see how each of them performs, you know, up in front of quite literally the bright lights and, uh, you know, a lot of questions. And, and this year for them is, you know, a lot of maybe some uncomfortable questions. You had them asking, of course, about Harson's inquiry, which we'll get to um, here in a minute. And then, you know, Tank Bigsby had to field questions about the transfer portal, which of course he didn't actually enter, but, you know, in the spring he kind of confirmed that he, that he sort of flirted with that process. Um, just how you think those guys did, and, and it seemed like they were pretty ready to to go ahead and get the pads on here um, in a couple weeks and, and finally get this thing rolling. Yeah, the uh, Tank Bigsby is the youngest of the bunch, and he probably had the the longest distance to travel to be comfortable in this type of situation because when you know when he was in high school and 
uh, and when he was a freshman, I think he was a little bit nervous about all the interviews and that type of stuff. But I thought he was really good today, guys, and thought he had a lot of good things to say. Uh, I think he's definitely matured. I think he's ready to have a really good season. I think he knows it too. So I think the only thing that's going to prevent that from happening is an injury. So uh, you'd hate to see that. But, you know, he might end up being the best running back in the Southeastern Conference this year. And then Derek Hall. He was good as a freshman. He was already mature and polished when he got to Auburn as a freshman. He was a great kid down in Gulfport, Mississippi High School. He was the Ferris Bueller of that high school. Everybody loved him down there. And if you doubt it, go down there and ask them. They will tell you and they'll say, don't say anything bad about our guy. We love Derek. And, uh, uh, you know, I thought he was exceptional today. And John Samuel Shanker, gosh, he's been committed to Auburn for like, it was about 14 years ago, I think, when he committed in baseball. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah, know, Christian had just turned two. Yeah, as a, six, as a six year senior, he's played baseball and done interviews over in that sport and, and football. Um, you know, I was expecting him to be great in this role at Media Days representing the university. He really was. And, and last but not least, I thought the head coach was much better than he was a year ago at this time. I didn't hear any of us trading out there like he had been prone to do last season. When he didn't really want to answer something, he would talk and talk and talk like uh, a senator from the 1960s <laughs> and, uh, and try to evade the actual uh, subject. And I thought he was right to the point. I thought he was upbeat. Uh, I thought he was excited about his players. And uh, gosh, I said, I mean, after listening to all those guys, all four of them, I was ready to go suit up and, and go through two a day. So I thought it was about as good as Auburn Group has been in a while at SEC Media Days. Yeah, you know, uh, an upset today, I think. Um, let's see if I can get his Twitter. Yeah, Alan Cole covers South Carolina. Um, apparently, he does this every year. He compiles the. Uh, word count of the opening statement for each coach. You guys, uh, Brian Harson was the fifth fewest, which uh, our, our buddy Bennett, that's a big difference. Clark Lee, the runaway winner, uh, 2,340 words. Brian Harson was under 1,886 words. He went over, over 2,000 last year. There was no um, chance of challenging the fewest for this year, though. No, Mike Leach was seven. Seven. I'm trying to remember exactly what those were. Seven. Okay, guys. It's something like I don't like opening statements. I don't like opening statements. Any questions? If that's that's the combination there, um, we've got seven. But, um, Mark, I wanted to touch on something you were talking about with Tank Bigsby. Obviously, you know, opportunity to be the best player on the team this season. But the praise for him today from Brian Harson was that he might be the most improved player in the offseason. And that's... I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty scary statement, I think, for for some SEC defenses they might play um, this year. You know, I, I asked John Samuel Shanker about that. Said, "Look, the guy's already a thousand yard rusher. He's going to be the focal point of your offense. You know, how does how did he improve this offseason? Um, but like Brian Harson talked about, it 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 took the form of leadership. It took the form of preparation. Um, and I think you know both. And, and working with Zach Calzada, something he talked about a lot too. Um, I think all of those notes that we heard about Tank Bigsby are pretty important, especially considering. Um, what he went through where you know seemed like he fl- flirted with the transfer process. And then also I think is really important at the start of the season, I mean, breaking in a new quarterback, you need that confidence in your running game. So Mark, as we continue to hear about this team being run first, um, 
sort of all the right things that we heard today about Tank Bixby. Apparently, you know, he might be the first team all SEC running back tomorrow in the preseason poll. And, and apparently, you know, he, he's he's on a good track to be even better this season. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to be a little bit quicker than we've seen him. You know, he's played through some injuries that have limited his quickness. I think he's probably the strongest he's ever been because he's been diligent about his offseason workouts. You know, and then you got two years of experience in your belt in the SEC with all those really good defenses. And, you know, I think for him to take the next giant step forward, guys, as a running back, he needs that vision thing. He needs to make sure he's hitting the right holes at the right time. You, sometimes you just don't need to go barreling in there. And uh, sometimes you need to hesitate a little bit and, and and wait for the blocking to develop. And and sometimes you need to just go in and attack it, uh, depending on the defense, how they're lined up, and how your offensive line is handling guys. And another thing I expect to see out of Bigsby this year is uh, – I think he's going to be a little bit more of a factor in the passing game. And, you know, you got a new quarterback in there. You know, one of the safest throws is uh, short passes to your tailback. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that Harson touched on too, and I asked Tank about it a little bit, was just his preparation habits and him as a leader a little bit. I mean, he willingly admits he's not a talkative leader. He's not going to tell a guy like Jarquez or Demario Alston, hey, do this. He's going to do it and have them watch it. But he said he's really trying to focus on his preparation habits be – little bit better off the field so when it comes to saturday he can be counted on a little bit more and maybe know the playbook a little bit better stuff like that so i think that's kind of a kind of a key factor there as well yeah i think touching on something mark mentioned you know tank 21 receptions for 184 yards last year and you think about the with the tight end usage with with wide receiver guys that are you know coming on you think about getting the ball in your best player's hands in space. And to me, that's where Tank excels is in space, getting him outside where he's he is racing to the corner. And I think about, you know, just you know, you're talking about, you know, three three touches a game in the passing game. That's 40 receptions for a year. Those three extra touches, you're talking about potentially 25 to 30 yard gain for an offense that has been missing those chunk yardage plays that you have to have. Sometimes if you're not getting them, you know, in handing the ball off, that's a, that's a way to do it. So I think, uh, I think, you know, he's a guy, no question you see him today. Mark mentioned it, having, you know, known him since he was, you know, junior in high school and, and seen him, the, the development part of things for him is that maturity level off the field. We saw it today in full force. And when you carry that over to a really talented guy, normally that that's good results. Yeah, sure. It's also cool to see. I, you, you know, obviously, you know, you and Mark have been, you know, seeing players for a long time develop, and but not just on the field. That's what we always talk about. Um, I remember me and Mark, I was at Rivals at the time. We were the only two people at the complex on a Sunday for some reason. Um, boy, it was Chris Thompson Jr. was on a visit from Texas, um, and Tank was there, and that was when he was a big South Carolina lean. Um, Mark, I think I've told you this story before, but I, I just remember with every question, he was kind of like, like just subconsciously, like moving his body away from us, um, you know. And so, it, you know, the, the development stuff, you know, also comes from from a guy becoming, um, you know, more more comfortable in those kinds of settings. And, and look, you know, nil and all this kind of stuff that players are being asked to do these days to put themselves out there and put themselves in front of a camera. Um, it's no surprise that a guy like Tank, who had a lot of these nil opportunities pop up, um, is becoming more comfortable with that. So yeah, I mean, all of the best stuff from him today. Uh, I think, you know, an A plus 
performance, I say, um, in quotes, because that's where we are at this point in July, where we're dissecting somebody behind behind a microphone. But um, Christian, you know, obviously you came in with with sort of your recruiting eye on the on the uh, on the action today. I know you you know you talked to Harson about um, in in that in that early session. So maybe some people who obviously anybody who listened to this didn't hear that because it was only um, us chatting with Harson just. Um, what did you talk to him about in the morning? And then later on, he had some pretty good answers too about how they're kind of combating negative recruiting. So from your perspective, the way, you know, your, you know, your mindset that you came into today, um, you know, what did you kind of take away from him in terms of you know, what he's thinking about, um, you know, the way they're kind of going on the recruiting trail right now and what they might do to fix some things? Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of took away what we've all been suspecting in the sense that, you know, they're kind of stuck where they're at until the season starts and they need to go out there and show it on the field in order to kind of turn things around with this recruiting class. And he kind of hinted at that a little bit in the sense that, you know, there's once you get out on the field, once you get out in the arena, as he called it, um, there's a chance to even the playing field a little bit um, and kind of combat some of this negative recruiting. And he said his message to recruits would just be watch, see what happens this fall. Um, And that's kind of what we've said a little bit, you know, if Auburn is able to string together some wins this fall, Maybe they are able to get some flips, get some guys that are maybe a little more on the fence still. Um, so that's kind of what he talked about a little bit. And then Harson was also very quick to point out the hire um, of Drew Fabianach as well as the GM and director of scouting um, and development as well, noting how not only will he be helpful kind of for the classes and whatnot, but he also really touched on how, you know, for guys currently on the team or guys that will be on the team, how important that is. You know, he, he hinted at a guy like, you know, maybe a sophomore or something like that looking Fabianach can give him some advice in terms of, you know, what do you need to work on in order to get to the NFL? Because he does have that 18 years of experience. So he can help the team out a little bit. You know, this has been a staff that has prided themselves and sold themselves to recruits as a staff that likes to develop players. Um, you know, you may be a three-star, you might be a lower four-star, but you're going to come in and we're going to develop you. And Fabianach is kind of another step in that sense and kind of helping players get to the NFL. Yeah, and there was also in terms of the 2022 class, Christian, a um, little bit of a news nugget today. Something that we've been, you know, chatting about on our boards um, for a while, but some good news in terms of a, of a guy they're getting for the defense this uh, this preseason. Yeah, Keontae Scott, um, and we've been reporting that for a little bit now since like back in June. He just had to finish up some academics there at JUCO, um, but now he should be all good. And Harson said June tw- or July 28th, July 29th, um, somewhere in there. So. You should get a little bit more depth into that cornerback room. I think that's pretty needed because you felt good about the two guys you had at the top in Jalen Simpson and Nehemiah Pritchett. You felt pretty solid about DJ James as the third guy. But then from there, you had a lot of underclassmen. I mean, you had AD Diamond, you had Austin Osbury, you had JD Rim. Um, and JD Rim was a guy specifically in the spring who did kind of step up. But you'd like to have someone more than just a true freshman there at the fourth spot. So now you have a guy who will come in. He'll be a little behind. He'll have to use fall camp. He'll have to be really smart about it and really kind of catch up a little bit. But he has Juco experience to make up for that a little bit. Hey, we have a perfect segue here, by the way. This was the next thing I was going to talk about to Jason. Uh, we have a YouTube comment that says, hey, Nathan, can you ask the guys who they want to see start at wide receiver besides Shedrick Jackson? Jason, I was going to go to you. Um, it, You know, in Harson's time at Auburn so far, it's just not really been his style with us to single out one guy. Um, you know, we, we kind of joke about it sometimes, but you know, as one guy, you know, everybody's doing a good job. He, he, he doesn't necessarily think that, you know, the focus should be on, on one person, you know, most of the time, but today it was a lot of 
unprompted praise from him, particularly in that early session for Coy Moore, the LSU transfer, said the very first day they had him on the, the player run practices, took a little inside slant, went all the way for a touchdown. Um, and then just later praise, you know, later on the day from from Tank Bigsby and you know, John Samuel Shanker told me when I asked him, he said he's a real wide receiver. He's somebody who's going to be able to come in and help um, from day one. There are also some interesting comments made about the rest of the receiving core. And, and and most of all, it's what you mentioned a minute ago, Jason. They need more chunk plays in the passing game. They're number 11 last season in uh, in chunk passing plays of 30 yards or more. You can hear it in Harson's voice when he talks about explosive plays, guys that can catch hitches and go, and go for a long way. He knows how key that is going to be, especially with the Again, say it a million times, breaking in a new quarterback, giving him easier throws and trusting his receivers um, to make plays. But Coy Moore might have been the most talked about guy on offense today besides Tank Bigsby. Yeah, Mark, I, I don't I don't remember. And, and it's different when, because of transfers. I don't remember a newcomer getting as much praise as Coy Moore did today. I don't know if there's anybody that stands out to you. I don't remember anybody getting as much as he got today. Do you? No, offhand. Um, I mean – I heard it from everybody, yeah. all the three of the players and the head coach. And and like Nathan said, the head coach uh, volunteered the information, which was uh, pretty interesting, I thought. It was. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, the question was who do we want to see start opposite shit. It, it doesn't matter to me. I, I just think they got to find somebody that's a playmaker. So, for us, I mean, you know, I want to see anybody step up and, and become that guy. And and you're right. People, people, people think about big plays in the passing game. They think about the 60-yard bomb. In reality, the big plays in the passing game more often come from a guy catching a, an eight-yard pass, breaking a tackle, or outrunning a guy and splitting the seam. Like we saw, you know, we saw that, you know, even though it was a backward pass early in that Mississippi State game, you know, Javarius Johnson catching that little outside bubble and, and splitting two guys. That's – you look at Alabama. You, you look at the difference in those guys. Yeah, they throw some balls over the top. The, the big plays for them the past few years, a, a lot of them have come from catching a slant from a slot guy in, in man coverage and out running a safety and, and, and taking it to death. That's what you've got to have because you cannot count on every big play in the passing game being a ball that's thrown 50 yards in the air. Those are high percentage passes. There's a reason why it's not done that way. Um, you'll see some guys do it. I mean, but you don't have many Aaron Rodgers guys back there, you know, throwing those balls. You got to depend on the wide receivers to make some plays. That's the guy they got to have. And, you know, obviously, Coy Moore got a ton of talk. We heard some talk about Tavares Dawson, a guy we saw a little bit of in camp last year. We kind of expected it. He's now had a year to go, okay, what do I need to do? And I think he's gotten stronger, more physical. Heck, we, we got some Xavier Capers talk today. Um, and that's really the first time we've heard him other than he needs to step up. We've heard that time and time again. Right. Well, we heard today that, hey, that guy's stepping up, and they don't have many like him. Um, when you start talking about his length, his size, he's a different kind of guy. Camden Brown, um, freshman, you know, Jay Fair. That's the thing about it. It's not a group devoid of numbers. It's it's just proven. Can somebody go prove it? Um, Coy Moore looks like he's a guy that's going to have every opportunity for that chance. And you guys haven't even mentioned yet the guy I think who might end up being the leading receiver among the, the wideouts, and that's Landon King. He's making the full-time move over <laughs> yes. to a wide receiver for tight end. He got six five, runs really great, runs excellent routes, will catch the ball in traffic, he can jump, and right. he has a history of playing wide out in high school out in Texas and putting up big numbers. So um if I'm landing came, I'm getting excited about this upcoming season. 
Look, I was I was filling out my media ballot today, and yeah, you know, he wasn't on the list in terms of being able to pick. You know, you can only pick from the names that are given to you. But I was looking for him. I was trying to find him. Yeah, this happened. We all glitched out. Yeah, I yeah. haven't I haven't known that that Christian fully admitted Wednesday night that his favorite player in Auburn history might be Landon King. I just want to go ahead. And, <laughs> I just want to I just want to make sure well, that's, uh, it, that's it, put on the record. It's really going to be interesting to see how they mix him into this offense with the tight end group wanting to run the football and can they find that slot kind of hybrid usage for him like we've seen especially georgia and florida the last couple of years really excel with to me that's the key for him is is the matchup on a safety or or matching him up with a nickel and using that size um can can they do those things and that's that's one of the keys is getting guys in and putting guys in position to make plays Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I just want to give a quick shout out to StreamYard, by the way, because we I totally just dropped internet for a second, but we we, we maintained. Christian didn't. Apparently the other three of us did. Um yeah, I asked John Samuel, uh, you know, I think it was either him or like Luke Deal, one of them last year said um that when JJ Pegues switched to D line, they they you know, had to yeah, you know, they had to boot they had to boot him from the tight end group chat. Um so I asked him if they had done that yet for Landon. Now that he's I mean he's listed on rosters wide receiver. Um, John Samuel said they're going to keep, you know, he's going to keep, you know, flexing into that, you know, interior kind of spot. But, but he is technically in the receivers room with I Killier, and he said, no, I hadn't thought about that. Actually, he responded to something the other day, and I, and, and now I'm thinking about it. maybe we should kick him out. So I was like, yeah, you know, don't don't tell him that was, uh, that was necessarily my suggestion. But uh, so if that happens to Landon, sorry about that. But um, uh, Mark, another guy that we were talking about a lot today um, was Derek Hall, of course. Haven't really mentioned him much yet. We have a question here um, about the linebackers outside of Owen Papo. Derek talked a little bit about how good, you know, how important Owen has been coming back. Didn't hear a ton, I would say, about uh, about the other guys at linebacker. Honestly, Owen is probably the most important piece there because if he's not on his game, the rest of it is not necessarily um, going to work out. But the big thing with Derek was, um, you know, a couple a couple points. Number one, a, a little bit of I don't want to say news, but. He admitted that after the Iron Bowl, he told his family he was declaring for the NFL draft. He said he was he was done, that that was it, um, just decided this was the time. He said he was ready to go to the NFL. Kind of you know took a breather a little bit, sat down, and, and decided to make the decision uh, to come back to Auburn. Um, and they really, really are grateful for that, Mark, because as, as, as you wrote today, um, just his leadership, that, that kind of perspective, um, you know, making sure that, you know, you wrote about the team vibes. He is definitely one of those guys that, um, is is it was a pivotal you know guy coming back for them 
in the offseason. And, and we got to see it really on full display today. He he definitely is one of the top leaders this season. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's a guy who, who becomes a team captain in the fall as well. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just just a first class kid who works hard. And, you know, he was good as a true freshman. And uh, but he got a lot better. <clears throat> Uh, he's gotten a lot better every season. And, you know, if he keeps on his current pace, uh, he was the first guy I put on my ballot um, at uh, at the defensive end spot for all SEC. And I think he's that good. And uh, I think he's got a chance to play on Sundays for a long time. And, uh, you know, I think they're fortunate he decided not to go pro this year because I think he'd be in a training camp uh, next week. Um with some NFL team that liked his potential. And, you know, I think that uh, – I think he's going to have a really good year. He and Leota as pass rushers give Auburn a really good one-two punch in that area. And that's something Auburn needs to get a little bit more consistent in and better at this year. And, uh, you know, it's also going to be interesting to see how aggressive Jeff Schmetting is in helping out that pass rush with corner blitzes or safety blitzes. And, uh uh, the head coach um, had high praise for his new defensive coordinator. Uh, sounded like a Hall of Famer almost at times talking about him. So, uh, uh, But I do think from talking to the players, not just at the media days, I think they've got a lot of respect for what Schmetting is going to do. And, uh, um, you know, I think the talent's there to have an improvement on defense. They just got to go out there, do it, and be consistent and stay healthy because – you know, there's only one Owen Popo on this team, as you as you mentioned, Nathan. And uh, there's not a whole lot of Derek Halls out there either. There's Colby Wood and Derek Hall, Iku Leota, and then you you know start thinking about stars on defense, and there's not a lot of them there right now. But uh, there is some talent coming along, and uh, it just it's got to be developed. Yeah, you mentioned. Leota, he was a guy in the spring that said him and Derek, and they combined twenty two and a half TFLs last year is no no small thing. Both of them were in the I think top eight in the SEC in that category. I think uh, I think Leota was, um, but Derek today said that you know their relationship has really grown. They're kind of tied at the hip um, right now. You know they haven't been together forever. Leota's only been over here for a year um, from Northwestern, but maybe a maybe a slept on pass rushing duo we'll we'll see how they do in the early season that that Penn State game will obviously be a huge litmus test because you're talking about a great offense you know the Big Ten offensive line well recruited all that kind of stuff um but two guys that that did really well last year sort of improved um over the course of the season um I did want to you know they say you never know what's going to happen on the uh the stars come out on the on the Auburn undercover podcast um and Miss Stacy <laughs> Derek Hall's mom uh just commented on our Facebook she said I wanted that degree, but and, uh, <laughs> I, I will uh, I will note for you that uh, that was the first thing Derek said. He said, first and foremost, got to get that degree. So uh, so be <laughs> be proud of that. That was uh, that was number one on the list of priorities for him today. Uh, talking about coming back this year um, today at SEC Media Day. So if, um, you're, if I'm one of his parents, I'm a proud parent because that's a good kid right there. I'll we yes. It. We do love Derek, and we were we were excited to see him on the list of uh, of participants for Media Days because we knew he was going to be a we knew he was going to be a great interview. And uh, I asked him, you know, the first thing I I asked, I think his first question he got all day was, uh, "Did you intend to match suits with with Brian Harson?" Because go look on Twitter if you if you haven't. But uh, they <laughs> they have they have the exact I don't know if it's the exact same, really 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 similar. 
but he said they both shop at the locker room which i i have i'm assuming that's in auburn I've, I've it is yes yeah okay i've never been but um <laughs> he said they both i don't they like they didn't talk ahead of time and then they both like suited up this morning and they looked at each other like well <laughs> didn't mean for this to happen but uh, at least we both look good so um jason one more thing about harson and then we'll get to a question we have here um you know we're talking about to, to christian about his the way harson was sort of addressing the problems in recruiting he also i think did the best job he has so far of addressing the big you know the elephant in the room which Good job to us, by the way. We're 31 minutes into the podcast and haven't uh, haven't mentioned that. That's because we cleared it in the spring. But this, you know, this is a national thing. People from all over are are going to come talk to him, and so it only made sense that we knew it was going to come up. We talked about it ahead of time. We knew the February thing was going to come up, but he not only approached it head on, but he sort of decided that this was it. He decided we will not be talking about it anymore. He yes. ended it by saying, uh, you know, if you have any more questions. Plenty has been written. Go ahead and Google it. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah. Um, I thought, you know, I thought his approach to that was was kind of golden. I, I I really didn't see any flaws in it. I thought he had a good game plan. You know, you have to come in and, and write that ahead of time. Make sure you know your approach. And uh, honestly, he executed it pretty well. Well, you know, we've been talking about it for years. Um, and and coaches, not just Auburn coaches, have made mistakes of acting like something didn't happen. When in reality, you know, people are going to ask about it. Just go ahead and get it out there and, and, and you know, start off with it. And, and he's done a good job of that, really, you know, starting back even with the spring, uh, you know, whether it was was coming out when we had him post-practice talking about an injury or, or dealing with those things. I think he's done a good job of going, hey, here's here's the deal. And when you, you know, we were saying for years, you control your own message. He controlled his own message uh, at SEC Media Days. He said, here it is. Here's what I want to say about it. And and hey, I think it's made us stronger. It's galvanized this team, and now let's let's move forward. And I thought it was a a great way to handle it. Thought he did a good job with it. We all knew that that somewhere along the line, somebody else is going to ask about it again, and they did. Yep. But he responded and said, "Look, you know, I, I said that, but you know, look, we're we're we've we've moved past that. But we also understand that you know it's made us stronger. And you hear the players talk about it. The players we had today, and they they've talked about it." talk to other guys, other players that weren't at SEC media days. And every one of them said, look, there's just a different attitude. Um, now, you know, we'll see what happens when you get on the field. But to do what they've done to this point is exactly what they had to do. Um, you either divide and fall or you come together and give yourself a chance. And, um, you know, we'll see if this is one of those Auburn teams that does something that um, Auburn's known for. Uh, we've seen it many, many times over when you look at Auburn and go, well, you know, give up for dead. Here you go. This team has the pieces to go out there and go, okay, let's go surprise people. Now it's going to take quarterback play and wide receiver play and staying healthy because of the lack of depth in some key spots, but top line frontline players, there's, there's potential for this team to go out and, and, and surprise some people. And the one thing we know from an Auburn football team saw it at the end of the year last year against Alabama, they're going to line up every game and go, Hey, bring it on. This team's not going to be afraid of anybody. They're not going to go out there and go, oh, well, woe is us. That's just not how they're made. And uh, because of that, um, you get a few breaks go your way, um, you're right there in it. But I think it starts with the attitude coming from up top throughout the players, and we heard that and saw that in Atlanta. Yeah, I think it was John Samuel who said, you know, we like to think that the 6-2 and two start is more of a representation of the – of the 2020, you know, that, that's the attitude right now is yeah. saying that, you know, 
that obviously the injuries started to pile up, Thor, you know, namely Bo Nix at the end of the season. Things kind of kind of fell off the rails a little bit. But, you know, they're saying, look where we were before that happened. You know, six and two. They, they, were, they were top 15 in the playoff rankings. They had just beaten two straight ranked teams um, in their division. And so, yeah, I mean, that was the prevailing thought from them today. I mean, there was there was a lot of good stuff from them, too, that, that we hadn't necessarily heard as many details before about them going and talking with the president, sort of putting together a little group and actually making the trip over there. John Samuel talked about different guys that were a part of that and different guys that were taking on different roles there. So I agree that, it, again, it was handled the proper way. I, I kind of went in, I guess, sort of negatively on, on pessimistically on my part, thinking this is just going to be a drag. We're going to have to go through this whole thing again. All we want to talk about is the quarterbacks and the transfers. And, and like we want to get to the actual good stuff before fall camp starts. But again, I, th- I thought it was handled pretty decently from uh from all sides there player players and uh and brian harson included um well i guess i guess i don't really um looking here at the at the comments um let's see here we have we have record predictions <laughs> that's always a that's always a hot topic i will say that uh we did our of course filled out the media ballots um christian i think you and i were talking we both landed on i didn't expect to land on this i think we both landed on auburn at fifth in the west which maybe some votes like that will keep them out of last place and i think the 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 prevailing thought for both of us was mississippi state scheduled too hard and they're still mississippi state they lost memphis last year um lsu and then lsu too unpredictable also a really hard schedule and if you're going to look at both those teams as being kind of on the fringe there maybe like three and five in the sec something like that auburn gets them in jordan hair so if you're on the fence there you're going to go with LSU, but I, I don't know about you. I, I was you know, going through the schedule and I, I did try to take a decent bit of time thinking that out. I was surprised to find myself putting Auburn at that spot in the division. Yeah. I mean, I took about zero time putting that together personally, um, but I don't know. I think fifth in the West seems about right. You know, they could be higher than that if they get on a run, if they start the season five and oh, don't know really what happens from there. Well, probably lost to Georgia happens from there, but Point being, the record could be better than we expect. So I think fifth in the West is a reasonable spot to put them at. And it came up again. It, it keeps coming up about that five-game stretch to start the season and how important that is. Everybody talked about it again today. Sorry, Jason. Yeah, it's 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 and, you know the the thing for me is you know uh, something that you know, me and Mark discussed on the way back from Atlanta driving in a in a pouring down rain for about forty-five minutes. As part of it, it says you know after Alabama, there's really everybody has some questions at some point you look at Arkansas and you go, you know, Arkansas, they got quarterback back, but like they lost some really important players on defense. When you think about a guy like Grant Morgan and some of the guys they lost on defense. And all I can think about is what I saw Auburn in, in Arkansas in person, uh, Auburn dominated that football game in Fayetteville. Yep. So I think about, okay, are they going to be better than they were last year? I, I don't know that, you know, everybody dog Chad Morris and, and Hey, he was terrible his record, but what he did is he left some pretty good players at Arkansas, um, namely a few of those skill players on, on offense. And one of those guys is gone, Traylon Burks. Um, and I think about the rest of the teams, Auburn, we talked about quarterback issues. Texas A&M's got quarterback issues. LSU's got quarterback issues. Ole Miss has quarterback issues. Mississippi State doesn't have quarterback issues, but you're right. I, I still not trust them a whole lot. Um, I think Mike Leach is, yeah, that's kind of what, what his, his motive has been for the most part is going to be, Seven, five, eight, and four, somewhere like that, maybe. Um, I don't know. It would be one, and then the, 
uh, throw them up in a bag and see what happens after that. I, I honestly have no idea how this thing's going to turn out. But like I said, I think Auburn can 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 be in the mix for most of these games. And if you break even somewhere in the mix, then you're probably third or fourth in the West. You know, one of the things I'd normally do, and I did again this time, at SEC Media Days, I talked to a lot of the writers and, you know, broadcasters, wherever, at, who cover other schools have been doing this for a long time and ask them about the teams they cover in detail. And, you know, I think the general theme was nobody's got a really good handle on who's going to finish where in the SEC other than Georgia in the East should be number one in Alabama, will be the heavy favorite in the West. Because there's a lot of questions, like Jason said, everywhere. And there's, what is there, uh, 100 new players into the league, uh, 100-plus in the transfer portal. A lot of guys have gone. A lot of really good recruiting classes coming in. You know, you got the COVID exception year. So you got, you know, like Auburn, there's other schools with six-year seniors. So it's just not a normal year. And uh, I have no clue how the SEC West is going to finish. And, uh you know, I think everybody's got some questions. Even Alabama's got questions. Even Georgia's got questions in certain areas of their teams. So it uh, should be a fun year for SEC football. I'm not absolutely convinced the league is as good as it is some years, but um, we'll see. Uh, and, you know, we usually get a pretty good feel by the end of September how good those teams are just from the look test and how they do in, in some of the intersectional games. Yeah, I think especially if AM drops like a game or two, they should. I mean, they don't they? That was Miami. It's something like that where it it becomes clear that they're not going to be amazing at that point. Maybe in like mid September. From that point, the West is going to be awesome because, like you, like everybody's been saying, like there's there's just no way to know. You could tell me Ole Miss finishes sixth. You could tell me they finish second. You could tell me Mississippi State bottoms out for some weird reason. You could tell me they go ten and two. Like I, I just there's. The realms of possibilities are are pretty endless this year, which is which is great. And yeah. kind of the, the same thing for the East, and maybe not as extensive, but like firecrackers like Tennessee could pop. Um, Florida, the talent, they're like LSU, like the talent is there, but some roster differences, obviously, a new regime. So I, the closer we get, of course, and that's the point. Look, look at me getting reeled in by SEC media days. I mean, that's the point. You go to this, you get excited, talk to people, and, and you're excited for the season. But I think what I, yeah. what I do think about this is – I don't know that it's as strong from one to five, but what I do really believe is that from five to 13, this league is much better than it's been in the past. I think we've seen that the last couple of years. Um, and, and Vandy, uh, you know, if, if you listen to Clark Lee, you, you're the best program you're here in a few years. So they're getting better. I do think they've got some, some potential there to get better, but, you look at the South Carolinas, you look at the Kentuckys, yeah. you look at Tennessee now with, with Josh Heupel and, and, and what they're doing. They're going to score points. You look, look at those teams and look at, I mean, look at Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. There's, you know, I kind of compare it to, to SEC baseball 25 years ago. There's about three weekends where you went, man, we got a breather now. We can, we can take this easy. We're going to win two out of three. If we don't sweep, we're going to be mad. And that's the way football has been for a long time. It's not that way anymore. Um, you know, the Auburn, the LSUs of the world, um, you know, Alabama and Georgia can still do that really because of talent for the most part. Everybody else in this league, you, you tee it up on a Saturday, and if you don't play well, you're probably going to get beat. Um, that's a tough spot to be in. 
that makes it really difficult. And that's why we've seen a bunch of six and six and seven and five the last couple of years. Because yep. that's that's how difficult it is because the bottom is coming to the middle. And uh, when that happens, um, it makes it tougher on on you, you kind of have a bunch of jumbled up mess. You know, the two teams to me that are the biggest questions for me getting a handle on them are the two teams of the new head coaches, LSU in the West and Florida in the East. And, uh, you know, both those teams got talent, but, uh, you know, new assistant coaches, new head coaches, uh, there should be some energy, but we'll wait and see. And uh, uh, I think each of those teams has got a lot of issues they got to overcome. But, you know, I never uh, worry too much about the Gators or the Bayou Bengals getting out talented in a major way by teams. So I'm, I have no idea where each team is going to finish in the league. Yeah, it's funny talking about Florida. Uh, like Christian mentioned, you know, we, we got to see some of our 24 seven colleagues and, and particularly a couple guys from the Florida site we hung out with um, on Wednesday night. And one of them was saying, you know, every single coach over the past, you see, obviously Florida has, has not, you know, it's tough to get back to where Urban Meyer had them, of course, but that's that's where you want to be. Um, you know, every coach has had, you know, his his vice, but like the other eight out of ten things are all really good. Like, I mean, just because of the position you're in, same kind of thing at LSU. You 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 know, you can do. You don't have to necessarily be a perfect coach there, just because of the the resources you have. And that's why, me personally, I think that, that, that that's why Brian Kelly might have them set up for success in the long run because of what you looked at. He's done it his past. Uh, his past few stops. Yeah. I mean, besides the, the teams, the player ballots was, was pretty fun this year as well. It started immediately at quarterback um, because Bryce young, duh, is the number one. Although Christian, I, I'm trying to remember, but apparently somebody did ask a Texas A&M player, whether he thought Bryce young was the best quarterback in the conference. And he did. It's like he won the Heisman last season, maybe. Um, but like you go to number two, you could make so. I mean, you, me, Christian, you and me, and 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 Justin were sitting together, and we each of us had a different number two quarterback. Justin had uh, Stetson Bennett, which I can get behind his argument there. Uh, you had Levis, you said, yeah. right? And I went with uh, KJ Jefferson, and it's like yeah, Spencer Rattler. You could make a you could make a case there. Hendon Hooker absolutely could make a case. Um, and so I think you know to Jason's point, where it seems like all these teams in the middle are capable of popping up to the top. So much of that is dependent on on quarterback play, of course. And I think if an Arkansas you know gets the people are like, oh, he's a dark horse Heisman guy. If you get that kind of season from him or Will Levis or Spencer Rattler, or Hendon Hooker, that's going to be the team that surprises and, and wins ten or eleven games. I think. Yeah, I went with Rattler as the number two guy, and uh, yeah, I don't think that's a crazy pick at all. Not, not yeah, in the slightest. Yeah, just think about Will Rogers um, as a freshman three yeah. for. Uh, you have 4,739 yards, 36 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. That's, I mean, that's pretty stout. You know, and obviously that's a system, but, um, you know, and I, and I, th- I think that's the question about Mississippi State is, is this, I think it's the same thing about Auburn in a different way. Mississippi State doesn't run it at all. They're, they're, they're pretty much handing the ball off every play. But they, they had zero big play threat last season. Can they, can they add that to their repertoire? We've seen it. You can do all those things you want to, but it makes it really hard to score. And um, I think you look at Auburn and, and, and you look at teams like that and you go, the the touchdowns outside of 20 yards, you improve those numbers and start to to compete with some of the bigger teams in the country. In that stat, then you change the direction of a season in a hurry. And that's what, you know, that's what Auburn's got to have in the end. 
Yeah, and a, and a guy like uh, like an Anthony Richardson too. Probably not someone you should probably say in the preseason is the is the second team guy. But in terms of a ceiling, what we saw in flashes, absolutely could be a great player by the end of the season. Um, and so I think all of this translates. The past ten minutes have translated to uh, we're no, all no, very excited around here. We have no idea, and we're just no <laughs> yes, we're very excited to, for the things to, for to actually get kicked off. And so um, I think we'll wrap it up there, guys. That was uh, that was a lot of fun talking, obviously about. Auburn's Auburn's time in the in the in the limelight at the College Football Hall of Fame, which great setup. I don't know y'all's opinions of it. I, I do like that setup a lot. I don't have a ton of experience, obviously, because it's not second. Me. I think it, only three years in Birmingham, two years in Atlanta for me. Yeah, it's not of, my favorite. It's, okay. it's 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 too spread out. Um, it's very cold. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> the the gallery is really cold when we're in Birmingham. Frigid. But everything is so close when you're at the Galleria and in 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 it. Yeah, right there. It makes it really easy to to pop in and out. Um, a little more spread out when when you're in Atlanta, um, but it, it looks it has a great look for TV mm-hmm. and nice. for video and all those people. And because of that, they'll continue to go back there for that very reason. I will say I love the heavy rain coming in today. Um, it makes it hard to hear. <laughs> yeah, yes. because I think it was Sankey was saying how the roof is supposed to represent the Georgia Dome or something like that, and so and you could hear the rain. Pretty well. You couldn't hear Josh Heupel very well, but you could hear no. the rain. Yes. Again, Sankey getting up there having to scream into the <laughs> microphone. Yeah, I think I'm a headphones in for Heupel, but yes, I, I guess everybody had to use their outside voices, um, as it were. Again, it'll be in Nashville next year. I guess that's kind of Sankey's. I guess that's Sankey's like plan since he took over. I guess he, you know, he's liking the thought of like deviating giving everybody, you know, different, like, I guess, sort of sub-region type places, the opportunity. Yeah, just, yeah, just wait till it's in Oklahoma City. Then that's, there'll be a little bit of a travel. So That's okay. That's a good – so me and Christian were talking about it. Like, <laughs> when Texas and OU join, it's going to make a lot of sense to put it out there. It'll but be, it's the big, It'll be in Dallas. We'll have it at the Star, uh, you know, probably something like that. It, yeah. yeah, it'll be – it won't be long. Yeah, so next year in Nashville – um prepare yourself first year the first year there were 2025 we'll be at the star in in frisco that's where we'll be you can go ahead and write it down <laughs> yeah and then when it's 24 teams you know we'll have to we'll have to head to like i don't know tampa Chicago. or something like that yeah 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 <laughs> we'll head to you know ontario at some point yeah. but uh you know, we're we're just along for the ride auburn undercover takeover of uh of nashville in 2023 it starts right now that's it it's it's it starts right now christian said today we're gonna start planning um, a year in advance to make sure we've got that got just, that covered. So uh, just wait until you get Dukes taking over Nashville. That's absolutely <laughs> cannot wait. Yeah, I said that it's going to be you and me setting up one all week. As we need that, we need that other chair open for yeah, uh, yeah. for Dukes because he's he's liable to just grab Charles Barkley and and bring him on the show. <laughs> so it seems like a pretty valuable pretty valuable asset there. Well, um, we're we're at about fifty minutes, which is one of the longest shows we've done in a while. So we'll. We'll go and hit the uh, hit the wrap up button. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope everybody appreciated this one um, and enjoyed this one. If you guys did, um, definitely go leave us a five star review. I know I say that every single episode, um, but maybe now I'll take a little more time to say that that really, really does. That's what's going to push us up the the, the categories on uh, on wherever you guys get your podcasts. Um, it's going to introduce some new people to it if they if they happen to be looking for a new show that's Auburn related, SEC football, college football. Um, all that kind of stuff. You guys enjoy the show, you know, send it to a friend or whatever, you know, recommend it if they're asking for podcasts, all that kind of stuff, guys. We really, really do um, appreciate it. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. If you like it, which I've been told some people do, uh, check him out on Instagram, Spotify, and uh, SoundCloud. And um, go head over to auburnundercover.com. We've got a ton of coverage. It was so much today. This, we just 
kind of overloaded everybody, but um, that's what we do. That's the point of media days. So um, in, in the days to follow, you guys will listen to this on Friday morning. We'll have a bunch more on Friday morning. Probably have stuff going into Saturday. Continue to react to it because like we've talked about this entire episode, this was uh, sort of our appetizer for the uh, for the season. So we're ready. Uh, we're ready for the main course and it'll be it'll be coming uh, on August 5th. So obviously very excited for that. So uh, thank you so much for listening and watching on the live stream. Until the next time, we will uh, catch you guys later. Everybody have a great weekend. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.